proofing read for force over distance 36. Young stood in front of the bulkhead adjacent to the door to the mess and studied a handwritten notice that had been posted there sometime in the previous three days. It read, Hi, crew. A resupply mission is happening. Probably. If you want more pits through the gates than just MREs, then initial below next to three items of your choice. The votes will be counted and presented to Captain Camille and Colonel Young. One can't argue with cold, hard data, and we don't know about you, but we are dying for some freaking potato chips. Potato chips? Cookies? Specified type? Diet Coke? The colonel says no. Coffee? The colonel says no. Cigarettes? The colonel says no. Tea? It has to be herbal. Beef jerky? That's an MRE, Eli. Pretzels? Chocolate? Ice cream? Not practical. Yes, it is. I found a refrigeration unit. Goldfish crackers? This is weirdly specific. Stop hating on this list. Fruit, I mean, I wouldn't, but okay, fine, Chloe, gum, mints. Combinations of initials littered the page. Young rubbed his jaw, trying to suppress a smile as he lingered for a moment before walking into the mess. Arriving to breakfast 40 seconds after I do deceives no one, Rush snapped. Not trying to deceive anyone, Young replied mildly, just reading a sign, if that's okay with you. The scientist had been in top form since something like 0430, when he'd ripped himself back to consciousness straight out of a hair-curling nightmare involving the Nakai brand of mental torture combined with personal vivisection. So, turned out that after a few days of a broken fever and regular sleep, the man's brain decided to entertain itself with some real goddamn horror shows. Young was pretty sure the vivisection hadn't been a direct memory. He hoped to God it hadn't been a direct memory. Young rounded the door frame to the mess and saw the scientist standing in front of Becker, bolting down his protein mix as fast as humanly possible. Been a while since we've done this, Doc, Becker said to Rush. You must be feeling better? Yes, I'm fine. I like the clean cut look. Thank you. Rush narrowed his eyes as though suspicious he was being insulted. Sit, genius, come on. Young kept his eyes off the scientist as he approached Becker's station. Why should I? Rush turned to look at Young as he approached. The guy could not keep a low profile to save his goddamn life. For one, he projected back calmly, I'm gonna sit down, and you can't leave without me. Two... Maybe think about making an effort to normalize. Last time we were here wasn't the smoothest. Just do a little regressing to the mean, that's all. For some reason, this seemed to trigger a crystal-edged thought construct that cut painfully through the iridescent swirl of the man's thoughts. Rush broke it apart as soon as it formed. So, in your past, there's at least a course in statistics, if nothing else. I certainly have no plans to regress to any mean defined by you. I know, Young suppressed a sigh. You're clearly, clearly a three-sigma kind of guy. Are you flattering me or insulting me? Depends on which side of the mean you're on. Again, something rigid started forcing itself through the scientist's mind. You're not normally one for mathematics-based witticisms. Their link echoed with anxiety. Rush looked at Young with narrowed eyes. Genius, what the hell is going on in your head? Nothing, Rush snapped, shattering whatever had been driving through his thoughts. Hi, sir, Becker said, handing Young his bowl of paste, sending Rush a confused, sidelong look. Keep it together, Young said. Don't stare at me without speaking, and don't screw with your own brain in the middle of the mess. Rush immediately dropped his eyes to his bowl of protein mix. Somehow, the abrupt, obvious correction only made the problem more noticeable. Becker looked uncertainly at Young and then back at Rush. Hey, Young said, trying to course, course, correct. Rush, come on, why don't you sit? 
Rush took a breath, shot Young a livid glare, and was about to start verbally stripping paint off Young's metaphorical fence when Eli called across the mess. Hey, Rush! The kid waved the scientist over to where he was sitting with Ray and Chloe. Come here, question for you. Rush grabbed his crutch from where he was leaning against Becker's station and limped over to their table, putting his mostly empty bowl down next to Ray. Young followed him and dropped into the seat across from the scientist, intensely grateful for Eli's timing until... Nice haircut, Eli said, at a normal volume before lowering his voice as Rush sat down. It provides a very, very small buffer against the intense craziness vibes that you're currently giving off. Look, here's a tip. Do not silently glare at Colonel Young when he's not talking to you out loud. It makes people nervous. You look like you're plotting something. Rather than the sarcastic response that they were all expecting, they got nothing. Rush shut his eyes and turned his head away. He propped an elbow on the table and dug the heel of his hand into his eye socket. His thoughts spun up into a distressed, painful swirl shot through with artificial structure. There was a long, frozen, horrible silence. With as much subtlety as Young had in him, he very carefully threaded a line of apology along their link. Do you have any idea? How much sensory and cognitive input I successfully ignore on a second-to-second basis? Rush asked finally, his voice almost inaudible. No one spoke. Well, Rush said, moving his hand, running it through his hair. It's a lot. Yeah, Eli whispered. I guess it must be. There was another long pause. Sorry. Young altered his wordless projection, beginning a slow turn from apology to reassurance. You're doing a hell of a job, genius, he said. Don't worry about it, Rush replied, still not looking at any of them. And yet, Eli said weakly, here I am, still worried, as usual. Really sorry, just trying to save you, sort of, by yelling at you. You know how it goes. You invented the technique, probably. We get it, Chloe said, leaning in. We totally get it. Or we get that we don't get it, Ray said. Okay, but some of us actually get it, Chloe said, annoyed. Yes, yes, Rush said. That's enough. I'd say actually the whole science team gets your vibe, Eli said. Except James, which is only temporary. In other news, I guess James is on the science team now? That's fun. Can't wait for you to come back to the NHB and explain why. Tonight, maybe? She's not on the science team, Young said, still watching the restive swirl of Russia's thoughts. She's the military liaison to the science team. Oh, yeah, totally different, Eli said. So what does that make you? Are you not coming to the NHB anymore? We'll see, Young said. Yeah, we will see, Eli said, his tone good-natured, but his expression pinched and concerned. So, Ray said, her tone cool and professional, diffusing the last of the awkwardness. Have you finalized your portions of the requisition draft yet? Memorizing a list that long will take me some time. It's nearly done, Young replied. TJ and I just need to finalize her portion of it. Can you imagine if you forgot something? Eli asked, grinning at Ray. Yes, Eli, Ray said flatly. That's how I spend most of my... The pitch of the shields, which sang quietly, continuously in the back of Rush's mind, ratcheted up to a strained, intolerable shriek, like the scream of distressed metal being rent apart. The sound was blood-curdling, all-encompassing and bleeding through their link. Across the table, Rush was frozen, his hands at his temples. Dr. Rush? Chloe's voice was sharp. Oh, God, Young said thickly, his hands closing on the edge of the table. Something's wrong. Ray had both her hands on Rush's shoulders. Something's happening. Rush forced the insistent, desperate presence of the ship out of his thoughts as much as he could. Young pulled him in and locked him down hard. 
Information flooded through their link. The pull on the shield was something destiny recognized. They stood in tandem. Rush unexpectedly caught in a sync loop, mirrored Young's movement precisely, tearing himself away from Ray's grip so forcefully that his chair toppled over and skidded back along the floor behind him. He staggered, unbalanced, and dropped out of the physical sink. Peripherally, Young was aware of the low buzz of conversation in the room fading away to silence. They ignored that, looking up at the ceiling as... And there it was. The drop out of FTL. The lights dimmed at the increased power requirements from the shields. There were a few startled gasps from around the mess. Eli, Rush snapped into the silence. Go down to the FTL drive. Okay. Chloe said, her voice high and tight. Which access point? The maintenance tunnel down the center of the drive elements. I've never been there before, Chloe said, her voice small. I... Rush stepped in, grabbed her shoulders, and looked her directly in the eyes. I'll walk you through it over the radio. Rush waited for a nod and then said, Run. He said softly, Quick as you can. Chloe darted for the door to the mess, her hair flying behind her. Eli, Rush snapped, with me, and then headed for the door. Young followed, threading his way through the whispering breakfast crowd. He turned to the doorframe. Everyone to your stations, he said, raising his voice to be heard by the entire room. Civilians to quarters. Camille, make sure that happens. She nodded at him. When he caught up with Rush, the scientist was already on the radio. Yes, he said, I'm aware. Wrote all power to sublight. Young's radio crackled. Colonel Young, this is Volker. Just wanted to give you a heads up that we dropped out next to another obelisk planet. Dropped out or were pulled out, Young growled. To expect lexical accuracy from Volker is to continually be disappointed, Rush commented. We were pulled, Eli muttered. Had to be a pull, right? Um, Volker said, I'll get back to you on that one. Cardinal, Rush said, the skin around his eyes tightening from the strain his pace was putting on his injured feet. You should remove your block, at least temporarily. The close apposition of their thoughts left no question as to what the man was referring to. He was asking to reestablish the transfer of energy between himself and destiny. No chance in hell, Young said a soft delivery over pure iron intent. Your fever finally broke yesterday. After what, four days? No. No way. We'll generate another EM field with the FTL drive. It'll be fine. We'll see, Rush said. You'd realize we can't even separate unless you remove that barrier. You guys are talking about the taking energy from the ship thing? Eli asked. Because if I get a vote, I... You don't, Young growled. The only person who gets a vote is me. What's the point of even having votes, then? Eli asked. Eli, Young growled. It will be much easier to deal with the situation with the ability to separate, Rush said tightly, especially if I am redirected to the chair. It's not happening. Deal with it. Most likely, you are going to be the one dealing with it. Yeah, well... The rest of Young's comment was cut off as an abrupt shift in Destiny's velocity threw them all to the deck plating. The obelisk had, presumably, fired itself up. They were being drawn in. Ow! Eli got to his knees, rubbing an elbow. Uh-oh, he said, looking at Rush. Fuck, the scientist whispered, already in a crouch, leaning into his left foot for all he was worth as Destiny began to pull on his mind in earnest. The chair shone bright in the dark gravity of the ship's presence. Fuck, can't you do something about this? What the hell can I do, Young asked, kneeling next to him, one hand on Rush's shoulder, trying to keep him grounded. Tell me and I'll do it. Not you, Rush breathed, his eyelids fluttering. Come on, sweetheart, the scientist whispered, his gaze turning upward. If you want to help me, you'll have to circumvent a bit of programming. The pressure on Rush's mind ratcheted it up, and he started to lose his hold on his body. He leaned into Young's grip. Oh my god, Eli said. 
Is he talking to the AI? Yeah, Young said. Getting a better hold on the scientist, trying to ground him against a mind-shredding pull toward the chair room. Hi, Eli said, looking up into the empty air. Hi, Mr. AI, or Miss AI. Uh, so, um, I'm Eli. Eli, Young said through gritted teeth as Rush sagged in his grip. It knows who you are. It knows pretty much everything. Oh, right, Eli said, except maybe how to do a little hacking of itself. So, again, hi. I'm guessing you've seen our mutual friend here do a lot of circumventing in his day. Maybe you can steal one of his tricks. You know, tie a process up elsewhere while you go for the thing you want. Shift some code around. Open a program over there that's higher-weighted in the priority queue that'll tie up some resources. Borrow someone's password. Force a command into a loop. Stall out a running, stall out a running process. Um, is there a switch we can manually flip, maybe? Abruptly, the pressure on Rush eased. The scientist tensed, took a shuddering breath, then looked up at Young, clear-eyed and concerned. We've got roughly ten minutes to fix this before I'm going to have to sit in the chair. Young grabbed his arm and pulled him up. Hi, did I just save you? Eli asked. What? Rush asked as they resumed their walk to the bridge. Did I just save you? Eli repeated. Not to my knowledge. Rush shot him a dismissive, perplexed look and increased his pace. Damn it, Eli sighed. Young caught his elbow. So I'm going to go with maybe on that one, Young said. Maybe. I'll take maybe. You think the AI was listening to me? Again, maybe, Young said. But it was a pretty good pep talk. The bridge wasn't far. They surged through the doors from the darkness of the corridor into a sea of light and activity. Volker, Brody, and Park were there already, faces aglow in the pale yellow illumination. A planet loomed in Destiny's forward view, blue and green and brown. It looked like Earth. Young's chest ached at the memory. A beam of light shot from the surface of the planet, extending in a silent, focused column that passed near their starboard side and continued on, out into the vacuum of space. We're caught in an electromagnetic field and being pulled toward the planet. Park, seated at Chloe's station, looked back as they approached. Our current velocity is only 15 kilometers per second, but that'll increase as the field strength does. Brody, Rush snapped as he strode across the room. Up, please. What? Brody repeated, his eyebrows drawing together. Get up, Rush said. I need your station. Brody stood, at a loss for where to put himself. He moved to take Park's usual station. Where do you want me? Eli asked. Long range and astrometrics, Rush said shortly. Young dropped into the command chair. Chloe to Rush. I'm in position. Chloe's voice crackled over the science team's open channel, coming from every radio in the room except Young's. I'm in the monitoring station with the central access tunnel. Absently, never taking his eyes off the monitors in front of him, Rush picked up his radio. Chloe, crawl into the drive to the point where the inductively coupled con... con in blah, blah, inductively... Sorry. <laughs> I'll just leave that there because you'll probably be amused. Inductively coupled conductors are located. It'll be 60 meters or so. There was a long, terrible silence from the radio. Sorry, um, Chloe to Rush, did you say crawl? Just not sure I'm looking at the right thing. Crawl is perhaps a slightly, is perhaps slightly aspirational. It's a tight space. Head first, on your back, you'll be fine. Once you're in position, let me know. Okay, Chloe whispered. The room was dead silent. You're sure she can do this? We'll find out, Rush said grimly. He set his radio down, his focus back on the hull plating. What's the plan? Young asked, as an alarm began to trill across the bridge. Three ships just dropped out on long-range sensors, Eli called out before Rush could answer. Chloe to Rush! The radios went off. Chloe's terrified voice cut through the atmosphere on the bridge like a knife. Check the long-range. Chloe? Rush said patiently, we are aware. Focus on the drive, please. How the heck did she know? Volker asked. 
Their vessel specks match the Nakai, Eli said grimly. You deal with that, Rush snapped, glancing at Young. I'll deal with, the, deal with the planet. Fair enough, Young murmured, and turned to make his way over to Eli's station. The Nakai just launched fighters, Volker said. Interception in less than one minute. Oh, good, Park said. Another space battle. Park, Rush said, his fingers flying through submenus like the computational virtuoso he was. Port navigation to Eli and take back weapons. You got it, Doc, Park said, already out of her chair. Brody, mirror this console at Chloe's station and pull up the FTL controls. Do nothing until I tell you. Do not so much as run a diagnostic. Understood, Brody said. Chloe's in the drive, Eli said quietly to Brody, Brody as he sat. Brody's hands froze above his console. Then he nodded shortly and ported the controls. Walker, Young said, what's the status on those fighters? Shouldn't these guys be feeling the pull of the planet just as much as we are? Great question, Eli said, drawing out the words, scanning through submenus. They are, Volker said. The pull is altering flight paths for sure. The first wave drew f directly, flew directly into the uh, field gradient at an unfortunate angle, so they're now, oh, two and a half minutes out, maybe? The second wave is making a best guess at skirting it. How are our shields looking? Young asked the room at large. Transient energy drop as they saved us from smear when we dropped from FTL. Backup generators kicked in. They're back at 100%. The entire room paused to look at her. Smear? Volker said. Yeah, I just made that up, but like, the most likely outcome of an uncontrolled drop is matter wave smear across space-time, so... She shrugged. Focus up, Young said, snapping at Eli and Volker. Chloe to rush? Chloe's voice came over the radio. I'm in position. Well done, Rush said smoothly, navigating one-handed through his console, sweat beating at his temples. Open it up. How? Chloe asked, high and tight. Unfasten the clamps on either side, grasp it by the edges, and pull it toward you. Okay, Chloe said breathily. It's out. You're going to alter the voltage that runs through the drive by changing the permutations of the crystals inside the transformer. Open it up and tell me what you see. Thirty seconds and we're in firing range, Volker said. What happens if we fire our weapon into that energy field? Young asked, looking at Park. There will be spatial distortion of its path, Park replied. Its, shoot, its power might be affected. Not actually sure how to think about this. Hang on. Chloe to rush. I see a matrix of crystal slots. Four rows, three columns. Two crystals are in slots. There's a pink one at row three, column two. There's a green one at row three, column three. Columns represent voltage permutations. Rows alter current, Rush replied, like the world's most reasonable physics tutor. The pink crystal goes left. The green one goes straight up to the top. Rush lifted his hand off the radio button. Someone get me a laptop and an adapter right the fuck now, he snarled, his tone changing entirely. Are you going to do what I think you're going to do, Young asked. Probably not. Rush was already writing one of his short, scalpel-like codes in his head. Who's getting me that laptop? Rush snapped again. Volker, go. No one cares about short range. No one cares about short range? Volker repeated incredulously. We're under attack! I've got it, Brody said mildly, dropping into a crouch to disconnect the adapter and laptop that someone had left hooked up next to Chloe's station and setting it up next to Rush. The first of the enemy weapons fire began to light up their shields. No weapons yet, Young said. Park, how's that, go how's that thinking going? The trajectory of the weapon and its phase will both be altered by the field, Park said. Not sure we have enough data to model how. I'm working on it. Her hands flew over her touchscreen like birds. Chloe, Rush said into his radio. What's your status? The Transformer's back in. Now what? Stay right, stay right there. Close your eyes. Cover them with both hands. Hold as still as possible. Okay, Chloe whispered. You're going to power up the drive while she's inside? Eli shouted. You'll be fine, Rush said into the radio. The Kai ships are caught in the field and accelerating toward the planet, Volker called out. The fighters are pulling back. I don't get it, Brody said as he slid back into position at Chloe's station. 
The first time we drop out, the obelisk planet does nothing, for weeks. The second time it fires up its field after six hours. The third time it pulls us out as we travel past and fires up its field immediately. You think they're learning? Young asked quietly, whoever they are. Yeah, Brody remarked. That's what it seems like, and the light, like a narrowly directed beacon. I wonder if it's pointed at something. Record the, record the trajectory, Young said quietly. We'll work on that later. He looked out the forward view at the silent, piercing column of white light that burst out of the planet, like a line through space. When the planet shut off, it had still traveled forward, like a laser burst aimed at the finest of points. Young shook himself and refocused. You ready? He projected at Rush. Yes. I will be doing this a short way, unfortunately. If you can't keep me conscious, for fuck's sake, let go, please. You can get me back with the chater easily enough. Sure. I'm serious, Colonel. With that, Rush launched his mind into the darkness of the ship. Young dug in, anchoring Rush against the inexorable pole. The scientist was fighting as well, his foot flexed, trying not to get pulled in too deep, too quickly, intending to use the science team to do as much as they could before he had to take over. Spin up the drive, Rush said, his tone bizarrely flat, his accent shifting subtly away from Scottish and toward ancient. His eyes were unfocused. The room went silent. The flurried movements of the science team stilled. Do it, Young growled at Brody. FTL spinning up, Brody said, his voice barely audible as he looked back at Rush. The scientist sat immobile and expressionless. His hands were quiet, his fingertips resting against locked touchscreens, but his mind, his mind was a deluge of data and power flows and distribution systems as he channeled enormous amounts of power through the drive. Dimly, he could sense Chloe at the heart of the drive, perfectly still. Carefully, he routed the light and power around her. As the power increased, the requirements imposed on Rush's mind increased in turn. Destiny drew him in. Young's heart rate doubled, his breathing turned labored. The untempered strength of the ship was nearly impossible to oppose. The ship wanted Rush. It wanted him desperately. Across systems, over levels of software and hardware, the pull increased. An explosion of blue-white light flooded in through the forward view, much as it had the last time Rush had tried this maneuver. Everyone shielded their eyes, throwing up hands as they winced away from the brightness. Everyone except Rush, who continued to sit motionless, looking unblinkingly into the light. Our velocity, Eli called, his voice strained as he peered through his fingers, is still increasing toward the planet. It's not working. What do you mean it's not working? Volker shouted, one hand shading his eyes as he looked away from the forward view. It's an opposing field. It has to work. Their field dynamics are changing, Eli called back. It's circumventing us. The gradient generated by our FTL drive is no longer in direct opposition to the field. Young could barely breathe as Rush's consciousness fragmented, splitting into multiple parallel paths, but he was able to keep the scientist grounded enough that the other man could reach forward and initiate a short, scalpel-like program. As he did so, Rush mentally tapped into the long-range sensors. This was turning untenable. With the room fading out around him into a blue-white haze, Young made his way unsteadily over to Rush's station. He placed a hand on the scientist's shoulder and felt some of the strain ease with the physical contact. The hull plating is polarizing, Young heard Brody say from a long way away. It's generating its own fluctuating EM field playing off the FTL drive. Our forward velocity is slowing, Eli said, sounding encouraged. Put everything that you can find into sublight, Brody called out to the room at large. I'm starting a pull from FTL. But we need that field gradient, Eli said. No, we don't, Brody replied. It's the gradient in the hull plating that's doing the real work. The changing distribution of charge that ran through the hull of the ship flared in Rush's mind, and Young could see as through a veil, the pattern it made, the pattern the scientist was composing, 
equations reduced to harmony, to song. They ran through the other man's consciousness like something completely native, like breathing, like the pulse of a heartbeat. Young didn't have much left. We're pulling away, Eli called triumphantly, making real gains. Let's get more to sublight. How far to escape the field, Park asked. Three minutes at this pace, but we'll pick up speed as we escape. Hard to estimate the kinetics on that. Eli's voice sounded very far away. Just let go, Rush had said. They weren't supposed to do this. This halfway compromise between nothing and the terrible invasive integration of the chair. Young had never had trouble pulling Rush out of the chair. The interface was built to allow it. This was much, much more difficult. More difficult for him, but almost certainly better for Rush. His vision was a field of blue-white with no real contrast. Almost there, Eli called. Young dug his fingers into Rush's shoulder and tried like hell to hang on. Okay, Chloe said, we're outside the field radius. Rush let the energy flooding through the hull plating fade as he turned his focus toward withdrawing from destiny. Distantly, he felt a surge of panic from the scientist, but wasn't able to zero in on its cause. The strain had turned strange, less physical, more abstract, as though his mind itself were coming apart. It wasn't painful. It was almost familiar. The scientist was still half-buried in the ship, but his focus was entirely on Young, on reseating the pair of them, pulling himself free so that, in turn, the strain on Young eased to the point that he reconnected with his body, with his hammering heart and his overburdened lungs. We send them out, Jackson said, like artwork under glass, preserved through time and war and change. The programs, the processes, the systems that try to help but that don't, that can't. We send them out, and after. After what? Rush whispered. After anything, they know their way home. Why would you help me with this? Utility, Nick, utility. With a gasping inhale, Young lurched forward, losing his balance. The ground came too hard against his feet. His head ached. His hands were cold. You're all right, Rush murmured, his hands around Young's upper arms, his thoughts flowing gently through Young's mind, his presence and his sustained attention easing the last traces of strain. You're all right. Young leaned into him, nodding shakily. Talk to me, Rush said, pressing him into the seat he just vacated. A compulsion unfolded through Young's whole mind, slow and strong, with a sweet edge to the ache it laid down. I'm fine. I'm okay. I just... Name, location, and date, I think it is, Rush murmured, his hand at Young's temple. Colonel Everett Young, Destiny. It's February 6th. That's a Sunday, I think. Super Bowl's probably happening back on Earth, maybe. All right, Rush murmured, as the ache in Young's thoughts faded to nothing. That's enough. Young nodded, confused. Not sure why he was thinking of football at a time like this. The scientist's head snapped up abruptly to take in the rest of the science team, who were staring silently at them. And what are you people looking at? We need to reconvert the drive. For a conventional FTL, right now. What's happening with those Nakai ships? And where the fuck is my radio? No one answered him. Am I speaking English? You people are useless. Volker, Young prompted exhaustedly. Well, one out of three Nikai ships is still caught in the field, Voker said, eyeing Young warily. The other two have escaped. The arc length of the trajectory that they'll have to travel to reach our position while skirting the field gives us almost ten minutes. That should be fine, if we don't have to replace our transformer, which we shouldn't if I calibrated things correctly this time, Rush replied absently, finally retrieving his radio from where it was hidden behind Brody's laptop. Chloe, he stepped. Status. Hi, Chloe said breathily. Can't see that well. Otherwise okay, I think. Can you tell if the transformer blew? Um, checking. I'm assuming if it did, the crystals would be dark? Correct. We're good. Disconnect, 
replace the crystals in their original configuration and reconnect. Can you get out of the drive on your own? It'll be slow, Chloe said. Rush's eyes flicked absently over to Young, then into empty air. Young pulled out his own radio. This is Young. Lieutenant Scott, please respond. Go ahead, sir. Lieutenant, I need you to go down to the FTL drive and pull her out of there. Pull her out? It's a narrow space, Young said. Look, time is very much an issue here. We can't fire up the drive until he's out of there, and we've got Nakai ships currently closing on our position. You've got he's instead of she's. I'm on my way, Scott said. You'll need to direct him, Rush said evenly, his eyes fixed on empty air. Young fought down a reflexive surge of dread, glared at the place where the AI would be, then pulled out his radio. You run, Lieutenant. You run your ass off. When you get down to the level of the drive, someone's going to show you where to go. Rush's gaze flicked to Young, but he said nothing. Young tried to pull himself together during the tense minutes that followed as they waited for the all-clear from Chloe and Scott. He pushed himself to his feet and motioned Brody back to his usual station. Carefully, he made his way back to the command chair and dropped into it. Rush kept trying to pace in that pained, aborted way that Young hated to watch. Sit down, genius, Young directed at him. Rush didn't reply, nor did he sit. The scientist's eyes flicked repeatedly out into the space near the forward view. Several times, Young briefly, subtly moved in on Rush's mind, bringing their thoughts together and getting a brief glimpse of Dr. Jackson's outline each time. Behind Young, the doors to the bridge opened with a hiss, admitting Greer. The sergeant locked eyes with Park, then turned his attention to Young. Young motioned him over with a tilt of his head. Sir, Greer murmured, taking up a place next to the chair. Heard from Scott that there was some shit going down up here? We nearly got trapped in a phase-shifted planet, Young said. Ah, Greer replied, that takes me back. Young smiled wryly, looking down at Rush, who had briefly stopped pacing to stare at empty space. So, Greer murmured very quietly, he's not having a good day. He's doing his best, Young said. I know, Greer replied. Chloe, Rush snapped into the radio, are you out yet? Getting there, Chloe replied, breathless. Can't talk now. Rush crossed his arms over his chest, angled his head down, and looked up at the glowing display projected above their heads. Taking our current rate of acceleration into account, what's the ETA on the lead Nikai ship? He asked the room at large. Absently, Young glanced up at the sensor data. Probably something like five and a half minutes, he replied. Rush froze body and mind, the spiral of his thoughts distorting and dissipating as an enormous structure of pure crystalline order seared its way painfully through his thoughts. It forced something to completion, with a crack of pure, blinding agony then shattered itself. Young, too, had frozen in his chair at whatever the hell that had been. Rush, he began shakily. But the scientist had already rounded on him, his expression terrible, his thoughts re-spinning into an aggressive, overwhelming firestorm. What did you just say? His voice was a snarl. His hands were slightly open, as if he were about to reach straight into midair circuits. Um, Young swallowed, taken aback. Five and a half minutes? I mean, roughly. That's correct, Park said softly. Just ran it. Five minutes and twenty-seven seconds. A nice one, Colonel, Volker said uneasily. Rush stood beneath the spectral glow of the sensor display, breathing hard. He closed his hands. He opened them again. Then he closed them and spun on his heel, looking out at the forward view, his thoughts a shrieking, disorganized mass of pure distress. So, Eli said, um, that time estimate? It involved changing velocities of multiple objects in a three-dimensional coordinate system. Yes, Eli, Rush hissed. Everyone knows. I'm just saying that's pretty hard to estimate. Yes, Eli, Rush snarled. Everyone knows that. The entire room was regarding both him and Rush watchfully. 
Young could almost feel them putting the pieces together. I'm going to be real with you, sir, Greer said quietly. I did not know that, but I'm guessing it means Rush isn't the, isn't the only one having a bad day. Young didn't reply. Chloe to Rush. The crackling of the radio diffused the sudden tension in the room. I'm out. I'm clear. Spin it up, Rush said, his voice full of tension. Brody entered a series of commands, and Young felt the deck plating vibrate under his feet. The planet in the forward view was replaced by the familiar spread of blurring stars. A collective sigh of relief passed around the bridge. I vote no on Proposition Obelisk planets, Walker said into the ensuing quiet. I'll second that, Brody said deadpan. He looked over at Rush. Why generate a field with the FTL drive if you were also going to create a modulating field using the hull itself? The drive was a guide, Rush said exhaustedly. I needed something to harmonize against. Plus, it may have concealed the hull modulations to some degree. It was, quite literally, flash obfuscation. I'm not sure we can expect to succeed with the same strategy twice with these people. Planets. Whatever. Rush ran a distracted hand through his hair and looked over at Young. Young raised his eyebrows. Rush dropped his eyes, hooked his hand over his shoulder, and stared at the floor. Someone pull up all the sensor data obtained immediately prior to the dropout of FTL, he said. Start now. We have to determine how this happens so we can prevent it from happening again. With that, the scientist clipped his radio to his belt, picked up his crutch, and limped past Young and Greer straight out of the room. I, um, where's he going? I thought he wanted it right now, Park said, her voice small in the ensuing quiet. Just get started, Young replied. We'll be back. Don't bring Greer, Rush projected. Sergeant, do me a favor and keep an eye on things here, will you? Let me know if something explodes. Young followed Rush out of the room. The scientists pulled them off the main corridor into one of the small conference rooms that littered every each level of the ship. The space was small and square, mostly empty, but for a viewscreen along one wall and a table in the center. Sit, Rush said shortly, taking a seat himself and dropping his crutch on the floor with a dull clatter. Young slowly followed suit, alarmed at the distressed torque of the other man's thoughts. You, um, doing okay over there? He asked carefully. Something happened to your brain, genius. Something was forcing itself through. Yes, that was code. Sit. That was code? What do you mean that was code? Young growled. How much formal mathematical instructions have you had? Rush ignored his question completely. The non-sequitur took him by surprise. What do you mean? What do you fucking mean, what do you mean? Answer the question. How far did you progress? Calculus, multivariable calculus, linear algebra, differential equations? Calculus, the regular kind. Can we talk about whatever the hell you just did to yourself back there? No, Rush said. And the word cut through Young's mind like a scythe. The regular kind of calculus, then, fine. And how long ago was that? Twenty, twenty-five years? Rush pulled out the small notebook that he carried in his back pocket, flipped to a blank page, wrote something on it with a bit more care than usual, and slid it over to Young along with a short stub of chewed-to-hell pencil. Young looked down. As an equation was written on the page. What the hell am I supposed to do with this? Young asked. Show your work, was all Rush said. I'm gonna humor you, Young growled, but you better be going somewhere with this. Show your work. Young glared at the man, wrote a few lines beneath what Rush had written, and slid the notebook back over to him. Rush scanned it, drew a broad line beneath the problem, and wrote something else. He slid the notebook back to Young. They continued in this manner, passing the book back and forth between them silently. The equations rapidly became more complex, functions and matrices filling up multiple small pages. Young continued to solve everything that Rush put in front of him. Finally, Rush stopped passing him the notebook. Neither of them spoke. Rush shut his eyes, 
propped an elbow on the table, and drove the heel of one hand into his eye socket. The scientist's mind was awash with pure despair. It was like nothing Young had ever seen from him before. There was no panic to it, no agitation. It was cool and hard and complete. Rush, he said, you're scaring me. The scientist nodded. I know. He brought both hands to cover his face. I know. So I've gained some math skills, Young said quietly. That's just a bonus as far as I'm concerned. It's fine. Nothing to be upset about. I like math, actually. It's nice. I think, Rush said, looking down in a way, sounding for all the world like he was trying not to weep. You like math. A bit too much. It's... His voice cracked on the word, dropped to a whisper. It's a deep, dynamic regard, tied into... to almost everything now. A genius, Young said urgently, earnestly. Who wouldn't love math the way you do it? Oh, fuck, Rush breathed, an acute, terrible wave of despair crashing through their link. I did this. I'm certain I did. The room was silent except for the low, almost undetectable hum of the FTL drive. Did what? Young said gently, projecting calm at the other man. Left math in my brain? Come on, that's nothing. For a long time, the scientist said nothing. He pressed his fingers into his temple and struggled to order his aching, intractable thoughts. Finally, he flipped a page in his notebook and began to draw, guiding the pencil across the paper with the familiar hiss of sliding graphite. You've got hardware, he said dully, staring at the page he was working. Literally, that's the brain. It's salt currents, it's voltage differentials. You've got an operating system, which manages the hardware, compiles it, and interprets it for the overlying software, which is personality, I suppose, our ways of perceiving and reacting and interfacing with the world. Okay, Young said, trying to keep his tone and his thoughts neutral. To interface with destiny the way I do, to interface with you the way I do, I was modified at all three levels. Okay, Young said, losing his neutral tone. When we were in that shuttle, Rush said, and I couldn't break away from the ship, and you couldn't pull me out. He paused to look at his drawing. He repositioned his pencil and started to shade. I moved in on your mind, hairpinned your ability to ground, and shattered your operating system. I destroyed your ability to link up your biological hardware with your software. It's why you couldn't speak why you couldn't move. Young nodded. Rush took a slow, shuddering breath. What nearly happened, what did happen to you, was the same thing that happened to Dr. Franklin. Shit, Young said, impressed. And you fixed that? I thought I had. Rush spun his notebook to show Young what he had drawn. It was a building, an angled, lantean-styled skyscraper with part of the exterior stripped away to show the supporting beamwork. Your foundation, the hardware, remains, Rush said quietly. The surface edifice, your software, remains. My intent was simply to shore up the internal supports. I'm now concerned I did more than that. So, less scaffolding and more of a real repair job, Young asked. Reactivity, patterned after me. That I can write off as pure scaffolding. Flashbacks to skating accidents in vivid detail. That too I can write off. You're sharper, less methodical. You're emotionally reactive. All of that. All of that. Pure connectivity. Modeled on mine. Designed to fade. But if it didn't, it would make no real difference. But the math, Rush whispered. What about the math, Young asked. I rebuilt you, Rush said, his voice low and intent, simultaneously coming out of and penetrating the marrow of Young's bones. What? It's the only explanation. You just pulled forward a block of information you shouldn't have have and you worked with it. Actively, 
in the way that I would work, where I'm capable of it, and not overburdened by disruption from an alien technology increasing integration with a starship. I still don't see the problem. I hold it back for you, Rush murmured. I hold that architecture back. That's what the scaffolding really fucking is. That's what it must be. It's not shoring up damaged pathways. It's keeping plastic foreign neural elements in check. I'm... I can't map my own borders. I've known that for how long? I can't see the link. I can see you. I can see destiny. But I can't map from within. I'm holding together more than I realized. This is my fault. He stared, unseeing at his drawing. Nick, Young said gently. Rush looked up at him, startled. You didn't have a choice about any of this. I've had choice enough, Rush said bitterly. This complicates things immensely. Why, Young asked. Why is this any different than anything that's happened to you? Your scaffolding will need to be reinforced, Rush whispered. Maybe for the rest of your life. I'm fine with that, Young said. I'm not. If something happens to me, you... You won't be able to live clear of this. Anything that takes you down, Young said, up to and including you yourself, is gonna have to go through me. There's no world where I live clear. Rush's entire face ached. His eyes burned hot and wet. Yes, well, he rasped, that may be true. His eyes flicked into empty air and he nodded. Young stood, walked around the table and pulled the man very carefully to his feet. Come on, he said, wrapping a hand over Rush's shoulder. All kinds of workarounds out there, right? That's your whole deal. Don't be nice to me, Rush murmured. Don't order me around, Young said, giving him a small shake. Not sure why I put up with you. I haven't the fucking faintest, Rush replied. They left the room together. <laughs>